Game Nashville Studios, presented by Wholesale Inc. Mount Juliet. It's time to take you behind the scenes in Smashville. That's a cross, he scores! This is the Preds' official podcast with Thomas Willis and Brooks Bratton. powerful move from back of the net. On Smashville's best sports talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. It's the Predators' official podcast, right here on ESPN 1025 The Game, streaming on the Game Nashville app and wherever else you find your favorite podcasts. Brooks Bratton alongside Thomas Willis, the ginger duo of NashvillePredators.com. It's episode 20, Thomas. I'm not sure what that means. We're not having any sort of celebration or anything. Well, I was going to ask, so like when a TV show hits 100 episodes, that's significant because they can be like syndicated and there's more finances coming in. Yeah, I, we're, we're just kind of here uh, not, again. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've <laughs> done this 20 times. We can say that. You, well, you've had quite a day. You you had a lunch that, as you've said, I don't know that anybody has had this combination before. Now, and, we're, now we're sharing this. Okay. And you can barely sit up straight in your chair, too. Yeah, I've suffered a back injury. Um, I'm going to be all right. It's just, <laughs> uh, that's all I can say about it right now. I, I'm day to day with a... I don't know. Is it an upper body injury? I guess that it is. It's above it's my waist. Bust, above your waist. It's barely. my lo- yeah. My back though. <laughs> your I, lower back. My lower back. Anyways, <laughs> I'm gonna pull through. I just, I just wanted to say for the listeners, like, here's what I've done. I'm bringing you episode 20 despite being injured. As far as the lunch, we'll knock this right off the top. I can't believe that you brought this up. So I had a naked juice berry blast, which is the most delicious flavor, and I had that selected for my lunch at the cafeteria. Wrong. It's not the most delicious flavor, but continue. Okay. Anyway, so I was like, okay, healthy option. I have been known to skip a lunch here or there or <laughs> slash all the time. And then my brother-in-law, John, who I was dining with, was like, come on, you got to get something else. So I selected a corn dog. So my challenge to you was when I got back in the office was, has a lunch ever been made up previously of only two items and those two items being a 100% juice smoothie and a corn dog? I don't know. But it's been done now in 2019. If you have ever had just a naked juice <laughs> yes. and a corn dog for lunch, please, please respond. Please tweet us. Let me know. I will, I'll find something to give to you. It's it's a it's quite a feat. Now, don't go out and eat one and be like, oh, here's my picture. Sure. Give, give it me something It has to have happened free. previously. You have to naturally. Like, like right now, like don't run out and grab something, whatever. All right. As far as what we Thomas actually have. Thomas is well nourished, though. <laughs> as far as, as we actually have on this show. Yes. Episode 20. So. A fantastic interview with former Predators forward Jordan Tutu. He's going to be honored at the game on his birthday, Saturday night, February 2nd, against the Dallas Stars at Bridgestone Arena. It's Jordan Tutu night, a fan favorite here in Music City. Started his career with the Predators. Most well-known, I would say, as well, for being a Nashville Predator. Yeah. You had the opportunity to speak with him a couple of days ago, so a fantastic chat with Jordan coming up. The Preds are back. 14 games in the month of February, nine of them are at home, 30 in total to go, 29 since you've been, will have heard this, Mm -hmm. they will have played in Florida already through Mm -hmm. the magic of recording and the internet and things have already happened. We're the best producer in the world, Josh Upton. Essentially at this point, 29 games left for the Predators. Also, Austin Watson going into the NHL and the NHLPA uh, substance abuse and behavioral health program, we'll touch on that. More in just a moment. Your Twitter questions, of course. Another giveaway. We'll talk about that in the final segment as well. But right off the top, the big news of the week. Again, Austin Watson, uh, the league put out a statement. The Predators put out a statement. I'll read uh, just off the top of 
what we know on Austin's situation and what the National Hockey League and the Nashville Predators have said on the matter. Uh, This is from the NHL. The National Hockey League Players Association and National Hockey League announced that forward Austin Watson of the Nashville Predators has been placed in stage two of the substance abuse and behavioral health program of the NHL and NHLPA for treatment related exclusively to his ongoing issues with alcohol abuse. Under the terms of the joint program, Watson will be suspended without pay until cleared for on-ice competition by the program administrators. Watson's care will be administered pursuant to the NHL, NHLPA, SABH program. And then the Nashville Predators, of course, also releasing a bit of info. The Predators are saddened and disappointed for Austin Watson and his family as he enters the NHL, NHLPA Substance Abuse and Behavioral Health Program for alcohol-related treatment. We are grateful for the NHL and the NHLPA's program and will cooperate in any way necessary as we continue to support Austin and his family as they go through this difficult time because of the personal personal nature of the SABH program and our exclusive focus on Austin and his family's well-being. There will be no further comment on this matter. And the long and short of it is that it's just a heartbreaking situation. It's very tough, uh, even just for you and I, to hear that news uh, and then to know just what Austin Watson's going through right now. And just a reminder that addiction and terrible things can touch everyone. I mean, sometimes we like to look at professional athletes and be like, man, they've really got it all. They've got the money. They get to be around hockey. They get to travel to all these amazing places. And honestly, I think incredible that the moment came that it did, that Jordan Tutu was our guest, that we had already planned on interviewing him for this podcast. And the fact that those two things coincide, um, you'll hear that later in the third segment when we, when we play that for you. But he went into this a very similar program. He went into the substance abuse. He struggled with alcoholism. He struggled with addiction uh, while he was with the Preds. And he would say to you right now that the Preds saved his life. If David Poyle and then at that point head coach Barry Trotz had not sat him down and said, you've got to make a change. We're not worried about your NHL career anymore. We're worried about you as an individual. If all that hadn't occurred, he would he could even be dead right now, honestly, uh, and would have played out very differently. So I asked him about the Austin Watts situation, just his struggles with that. So I think he's the best person to speak to that. I don't see how we could have come up with a better guest, honestly. And again, that was a bit serendipitous. But um, yeah, it, it's tough right now. And I think it's, I don't want to say it's inappropriate, but it's almost inappropriate to sit here and ask questions like, well, when is Austin Watts coming back? Is he going to be back for the playoffs? Like, I, I just think you kind of need to put that out of your mind. It's going to be a very long time, and that's appropriate because it frankly needs to stick this time. Uh, this rehab is, is very serious for him. It can't be a situation where you rush it back to get him back in the lineup. Like this is something where his life needs to change. Well, and I'll leave with this. Coach LaViolette was asked about it as the Predators returned after their all-star break and bye week on Thursday. And Lavi on the situation said right now, it's only about the person. It's got nothing to do with the player at all. Austin is a terrific human being. And right now our thoughts are with him. It's got nothing to do with hockey. It's got everything to do with the person. Coach is 100% on this. It has nothing to do with Austin coming back mm-hmm. to the Predators. Hopefully he does one day. But for now, it's all about him getting right as a person. So all the best to him. Yeah, absolutely. I would echo that. And this is a hockey show. So we do have to deal with what's on the ice as well. And we're going to touch on that in the next segment when we take we had a slew of responses on trade deadline um, information and, and request and you you the fan coming up with all these different items and then how do the Preds in the immediate future fill in knowing that Austin Watson's not going to be in the lineup for what appears to be a long time so 
let's save that to the next one and just go to the other news because I know you had a few things that you wanted to touch on in this first one, including, again, the Winter Classic news um, could be pivotal for this franchise. So I think it's worth stretching over at least for one more episode. Yeah, so when we talked last week at this time, we had just found that out, right? I, mm-hmm. I was yeah. in San Jose. I was at Gary Bettman's press conference, ran back to my hotel room and jumped right on the line. We hadn't had a chance to talk to really anybody else about it. Of course, as everybody knows now, the Predators will play against the Dallas Stars in uh, the Cotton Bowl mm-hmm. on January 1st, 2020 for the Bridgestone Winter Classic. But I had a chance to ask Pecorine and Roman Yossi about it, of course, out there in San Jose for the All-Star Weekend. And as he always does, Pekka knows just what to say. Yeah. But he had a great quote, some great thoughts on just getting to play in this game overall, not only for him as a player, but what it means for this team and this franchise as well. So, so proud. It's uh, it's great. I, I think, uh, especially when I look at it, not only for us players, but our fans deserve it. And, you know, it's uh, it's such a such a great story that we have in, in, in Nashville. And it, this, the whole city and the, our fan base, fan base the, the hockey part of the city, is, it's grown so much that, and, you know, obviously the things that we've accomplished on the ice, uh, you know, it's uh, I, I feel like we deserve that game and, and you know, you know, we have such a strong fan base that I, I, I think we can we can really put on a really good show in Dallas. So uh, that's that's amazing. Very proud of it. Lastly, it's one thing at Bridgestone to hear 17,000 people cheer when you score a goal or make a save. Have you thought what 40 or 50 at a 92,000 seat stadium? Half of them are Preds fans. Uh, I haven't really yet thought about it, but I I think that's going to be amazing. And you know, I've I've, I've talked to a few guys who've, who've played outdoor games and they they all 100% of them they, they they only have positive things to say about it and you know what a experience it is and so you know already in my mind I'm you know designing my gear my helmet everything like that so I'm really happy about it I love that he's already got the wheels turning I can't wait to see what he puts out for mm-hmm. what he's going to sport in the winter classic that'll be fantastic but Peck's obviously very excited. Roman is excited as well. It, it's really a bucket list, I think, for a hockey player to get to play outdoors in this setting. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's just it's become such a spectacle, and it's just something that you'll look back on for the rest of your life. Like you mentioned it, just the sheer magnitude of it. We're talking about 10 times of everything, like 10 times the number of fans, 10 times the number of viewers and significance. It's on national TV. Like Traditionally, until recently, it's also been the only game played on that day. Now, that's changed recently, but... But still, it's going to be pretty cool. And and for both franchises, I think, for the Stars, for it to be their first ever game. And then we touched on the significance last episode. And the fact that the Preds are the road team, the fact that they were invited in, you heard Pekka kind of say that sentiment as well, the sense of where this franchise has gone, the games that they've won, the fan support that they've gotten. It makes sense to see how uh, Smashville can travel all the way uh, to Dallas, Texas, to support Nashville there. So I will go ahead and mention this here. Go to Pred Social, specifically their Twitter, and there is a form stack. There's a form that you can uh, sign up for if you want more information about the Winter Classic. Now, if you are a Pred season ticket citizen, you're taken care of, essentially. You're going to get first access at tickets, at information, and that sort of thing. But if you're not, and you'd like to go, and we'd like to take you, go to that form, sign up, put your information in there, and then as time goes by, because it's going to be a few months before all this comes out, jerseys, ticketing, that sort of thing, that's the place you want to be. So sign up for that. 
and come along. Come along and see Pex's new mask when he wears it for the Winter Classic. We'll be there, too. Maybe we'll do a show from there. Well, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> no, that, is, that might be the definition of getting ahead of yourself. We'll bring Josh with us, and we'll set up a studio on the fairgrounds. And, yeah. and wear parkas, apparently. stand there and watch us. <laughs> All right, well, let's continue this discussion into the next segment. We want to look at these final 30-ish games for the Preds. It's the stretch run, if that's what you want to call it, and then the trade deadline, roughly only three weeks away. Do the Preds make a move? How does that factor into their team over the final days of the regular season? Let's let's do it just after the break. You're listening to the Preds official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. It's the Preds official podcast on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Thomas Willis and Brooks Braddon right next to me. We're both of NashvillePredators.com. He dances. Josh Upton produces. I have always danced to that song like Elaine from Seinfeld. I feel like it really just yields itself to that progression. Just like Hitchhiker Thumb. Yeah, yeah and just, just, I was just doing it just now. I mean, you were. Just, you know. Sure. You don't watch Seinfeld, though, do you? Occasionally. I know the Elaine dancing part. Okay. <laughs> it's the greatest show ever made about nothing. Sure. That's kind of the whole concept. Everything yeah. ties together at the end. Which is what we'll try to do in this segment. Wow, that was a broadcast professional <laughs> level transition. All right, we promised you stretch run talk. We promised you trade talk. And just based on some of the questions we asked before the show on Twitter and the myriad of responses, there, there's no one who can get more excited about something than playing armchair GM and then be vehemently disagreeing with someone who says <laughs> that's not possible. So here we are. Let's go to the stretch run first, though. Yeah. Roughly 30 games left. Willie Donning, the Predators play-by-play broadcaster, wrote a blog for NashvillePredators.com. So check it out there because I, I don't want to, on the radio, start spewing out a lot of numbers because you're going to fall asleep and drive off the road, and I wouldn't do that to you. But basically just to say, it's getting a little warmer outside. We might hit 70 degrees later this week from what I've been told, mm-hmm. and that means spring hockey and hockey that seems to mean even a little bit more. For the Preds, seated right now at second place in the Central Division, a bit of a crossroads. I mean, are they going to be able to chase down the Winnipeg Jets? Are they going to stay in that matchup and play the three seed in the Central and play another rival? If either that's the Wild, the Stars, the Avalanche, someone like that. So what's on the docket for them coming up in the remainder of this 18-19 regular season? So for the Predators, there's strength of schedule is one of the things that Willie talks about in that article. Mm-hmm. And the Predators play a lot of teams that are either in playoff position or they're on the bubble, which I think that just speaks to the parity around the league. There yeah. aren't a whole lot of teams that you can definitively definitively say, yes, they're done, they're out. But I think for the Predators, it'll be a really good test down the stretch to see where they are against a lot of teams. And Willie also mentions, even if the Predators play 500 hockey, right? So that would be a 14-14-2 record. Mm-hmm. The team would still finish with 94 points. Predators would have a 99.9% chance of being in the playoffs. Would that we usually say that postseason threshold is right around 92, 93, 94 points. Yeah. But even if the Predators were to only get about 30 ish half of their possible half, half points, of their yeah. possible points to this point, uh, to this juncture of the season, rather, a yeah. lot of points there, sure. um, they would still be fine. Even they, they could get 100 points, right? 17, 11, and two, that would probably lock up home ice advantage. Yeah. Which I think is more of what you're striving for. Colton Sistens told me the other day that. And he wasn't ready to spill the beans on this, but he says, we've got it circled as to where we want to be. We mm-hmm. we have an idea as to where we'd like to finish. 
And and the Predator, I mean, let's be real here. They're not going to win every single game. They're not going to win 30 straight. I mean, it could happen. Mm-hmm. But they're probably not going to win 30 straight games. But the Predators know, hey, if we can do this in this amount of time and slot here, wherever that is, mm-hmm. they feel like they'd be in a pretty good position to to not only who they could potentially draw up in the first round, yeah, but also just moving forward and how they want to play in these final 30 games. There's a certain way, a certain identity that you really want to establish going into the postseason, and this is really when that starts to happen. So answer this for me, because we've seen the last two seasons be on the opposite ends of the spectrum. So two seasons ago, the Predators go to the Stanley Cup final, but are the 16th team, the final team to qualify for the playoffs. Last season, they're the first overall team and win the President's Trophy. They lose in the second round in seven games to the Jets. And we'll get in that more in the trade deadline discussion, but quick sidebar on that. Just don't forget how close that series was. I think now that the months have gone by, especially the Predators faithful have gotten this sentiment of like, yeah, I couldn't keep up with the Jets. You know, oh man, like they're so much better. That was absolutely not the case. The Preds and Jets have played 14 times over the last two years. The records are 7-7 seven and seven right they're now. They're so evenly matched. And, and I tell you what, after the Preds shut down the Jets in Game 6 of that playoff series and were going home for Game 7, I was taking Nashville about 90 out of 100 times in that scenario. It just didn't work out. So again, sidebar on that. Like I, I think there's this sentiment out there of like, oh man, the Preds are really far behind the Jets. kind of would disagree with that to a point. But anyways, my main question for this would be, what else do you want to see or what would you like to have happen over these last 30 or so, so games for the Preds, R- regardless of where they finish? Again, we're assuming they're going to be a playoff team. It looks like they're going to interpersonally on their forwards or, or power play. Like, what do you want to see from them? Well, I think, and I would steal this from Roman Yossi, who also uttered this the other day. He talked a lot about consistency, and I, I think that's been something for this team. They started out really well, and then they trailed off a little bit. And, and they've had these stretches where you'll have a winning streak, you'll have a losing streak. We know they went through the road slump. They've come out of that in the last little bit. I think for me, it's just a matter of consistency. And I don't mean having to win every game, but even in those games that you lose, mm-hmm. you want to see that the effort is there, I think. And 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 in this is the time of year, too, that ever so slightly, and I think you'll really start to notice it game by game, but then if you want to look at week by week or even month by month, the intensity just starts to ramp up a little bit this time of year. Every so slightly, every game, it, it, guys, not that they don't care every other time, right? And not that they're try, not trying hard, but I, I just think this time of year, everybody knows what's coming. They know that that playoff push is underway. They know what's on the horizon. And you start going a little bit more at this time of year. And for me, I think I want to see the Preds start to ramp up their game a little bit. I don't want to see it at... At a 100 sure. in a week. But I'd like to see it start to ramp up a little bit more every night as we go along here. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you're saying something similar to this. Last season, when the Predators were trailing, even in the third period, even in the last five minutes, yeah. you knew they were going to make an effort to come back. A lot of times that they did. I don't know that we've seen that fire, per se, quite like we did last year. So I think you're wanting to see a little bit of that. For me, I'll be brief. The power play is so obvious. Of, of course, that needs to be improved. And we'll talk about that in future episodes. But I'm trying to go a little bit off the beaten path here. For me, it's all about the second line. So Kyle Turris, we assume he's coming back soon. Looks like he won't be available for this back-to-back set for the weekend um, coming out of the All-Star and the bye week. But if he when he gets healthy, assuming in the month of February, what does that second line look like? Is it Kevin Fiala on the left? Because he's gone around in the lineup. We think it's Craig Smith on the right. 
But that is the part where I'd agree with some of the naysayers in that second round series. The Preds needed a little bit more against the Jets from that second line, from Kyle Turris. A line that in November, right after he was acquired, was probably the best line in hockey, honestly, at least at least statistically-wise, the points that they were putting up. So I think we've seen over the years in any conference, the Stanley Cup champion, they are so good and so deep at center number one and center number two. That's the reason why David Poyle made the move to get Turris last season. And so is he able to elevate his game to that level and deliver that punch that they need? That's what I'd like to see, even more so than wins or losses per se. How does that develop? over the last 30 or so games. And then also on that second line, is there a new participant Exactly at this time in a few weeks? Yeah, is it even Kyle Turris at second line center? Whoa, you know, that's getting a little crazy. But yeah, in the last few minutes, let's talk trade deadline coming up soon. So there's been a lot of chatter out there. There's a lot of names. <laughs> and it seems like roughly the sentiment is that the from Predators fans, which again, they are not the experts, nor are we, but um, that there seems to be a sentiment that there needs to be a move uh, of some kind, uh, especially to be able to counteract what the other Western Conference powers are doing. Not even just the Jets, but we seem to assume, and I don't disagree with this, that Vegas, the Sharks, the Jets, they're going to make some kind of move as well at the deadline. We saw that when the Preds got Ryan Hartman last year, and then the Jets were able to counter with Paul Statson, who was excellent for them. So what, where are you at on, on that? What do you think needs to be done? Does anything need to be done in these next three weeks? Well, we've heard David Poyle say it time and time again. If the deal is there and the deal is right, he does like to make a move at this time of year. He's not usually, especially in recent memory, he's not usually one to just sit there and say, oh, well, I don't know. Maybe I'll just wait and see what I have. Even if it's a deal like Ryan Hartman that wasn't going to shake up the hockey world mm-hmm. and the deals that he's made recently to at least the big ones have not come around this time. So is this a year where David Poyle perhaps makes what you would call quote unquote, a bigger deal at the deadline, as opposed to doing something earlier in the season? I think he'll do something. I I, I just think, and and also I, I, part of you wants to say, yes, go all in. This is the window and get whoever you possibly can. I know. But there will always be part of me Mm -hmm. that says, well, you can't gamble away everything. You can't get someone who's maybe 32 years old, who if if they still have term left on their deal, whatever the case might be, you don't want to make the wrong move, right? And overpay for someone who in a couple of years, you're going to regret something. I th- and that's and I, and I've always said it too. I'm I'm so glad I'm not the one making these decisions yeah. at this time of the year. I, I kudos to David. He's he does it better than just about anyone else. But there are some big decisions to make, and I think he will make a decision on someone. Here's where I'm at. This is me as the analyst, not me as a Preds insider trying to spew rumors or anything like that. That's just where I personally am at with the team. I agree with you in the sense of for me, it's kind of a bigger move or nothing. I, I would lean toward. Yeah not doing anything and keeping the group that you have that was so excellent last year that you really haven't gotten to see this year due to injuries. You really haven't been able to see the Preds we had last season. Or if I'm making a move, I am hopefully getting one of the bigger names. I'm getting a Matt Duchesne, an Artemi Panarin, maybe even a Wayne Simmons. I'm going bigger. I don't know, even with the loss of Austin Watson, I don't know. I think you can fill in his position with what you already have on the team. I'd want something either for a first or second line center to boost that or something in that top six, when a, an elite winger. I think that's what you do. Otherwise, I would agree with you. You can't just start throwing out Ellie Tolvanen and first-round picks and Dante Fabro and all these prospects to blow it up for a guy that you aren't just convicted is going to be what you need to put you over the top. That's where I'm at. 
Let's roll through these Twitter questions really quickly. So one funny one, Jess in the North, uh, at Jess in the North said she thinks the president should trade for a dog or at least get a dog, an office puppy. We 1,000% agree with that. All for it. The St. Louis Blues, I think their pupper is called Barclay right now, and he's adorable. He's like a golden retriever or yeah, something like that. So fantastic. Get us one of those. Bro Bobo in the radio, which is the <laughs> craziest Twitter handle I've ever heard, said, do you think the Preds could make two different moves, in a, like a Wayne Simmons and an Artemi Panarin? I, I doubt it. I Honestly, just in the sense of, like, that really would put the cupboard bare. I mean, the prospects that it would take to get two elite players like that. The, the prospects and the picks uh, yeah, and potentially just, a roster player, too. That that would be absurd. Um, I'm not absurd. I mean, anything, anything is possible, but I think that could be a little bit crazy. And then at Boyd underscore 1212, which of the Preds' upcoming free agents has the most to gain with a strong stretch run? Just give me a name. Ryan Hartman. Yeah, I think so, because he's on that prove-it deal right now, right, in the sense of he's going to be an RFA. Uh, for me, I'll go another RFA and in this summer, and that's Kevin Fiala. We've seen him not have the year that he's liked to have had. And back to what I was saying earlier in the segment, is he that answer on the second line? I think that's the question. And quickly, you'll remember, all the way at the beginning of the season, David Poyle, Peter Laviolette, they said their players wanted them to keep this team together, right? Mm-hmm. And then David had sa- has said recently, this is really the time that I'm evaluating this team. What do I have? What do I not have? Do I need anything else? How does he feel about that now, keeping this team together? Does he feel okay with the team that he has, or does he feel that this team needs something else? I think that's something else to keep in mind, how the players felt at the beginning of the season. I would be curious to know, and and of course David Poyle agreed with them at that point, I'd be curious to see if he still feels that way or if he still feels like there's something out there that he can get as well. All right, coming up, we're going to talk to one of the greatest national players of all time, at least when it comes to being a fan favorite. He's oh so popular uh, it's Jordan Tutu. He's going to be honored by the Predators before their game against the Dallas Stars, which if you're a longtime Preds fan, you kind of chuckle at that little irony there that that was the opponent that was chosen. But it really is honestly one of the best interviews we've had on the show so far. We talk about his struggles off the ice and then what able what he was able to do on it when Nashville finally started winning playoff series and kind of grew to where they are now. That's all next on the POP right here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. The Predators official podcast right here on ESPN 102.5 The Game and streaming on the Game Nashville app. We have a very special guest for this segment of the show, former Nashville Predators forward Jordan Tutu and author. He will be honored in Nashville at Bridgestone Arena on Saturday night when the Preds take on the Dallas Stars. Jordan, it's great to have you on the program. Uh, Thanks for taking a moment to join us. Hey, thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. All right, we're at this point, only a few hours away from a ceremonial puck drop and you being back in Bridgestone Arena, a place where you spent r- roughly 500 games of your initial career, but several, several years, more than a decade. What, what are the feelings right now? Is Are there some emotions? Is there some nerves knowing that you're going to be back in front of those uh, Preds fans who've loved you so much for all these years? Yeah, you know what? I'm coming back uh, for a different reason. So there's been a lot of uh, emotions kind of starting to flood through the mine and uh you know just reminiscing um you know my time in nashville kind of growing up uh, and really evolving into uh the person i am today so i'm uh i'm excited my my wife and kids are uh looking forward to the event have you been back to nashville uh, since your time in 2012 and i'm curious what were you able to catch of the preds run to the final in 2017 i think a lot of us see that as just that was when the hockey city kind of matured uh, to its to its biggest point when they were able to go up against the Penguins in that series. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think I've definitely been back on the opposing side, but, um, you know, every time I rode the bus from uh, the airport to downtown, um, you just see new buildings going up and, uh, you know, the, the city really evolving into what it is today. And, and obviously the fan base, um, you know, I think earlier on in my career, um, the game was pretty new for a lot of the fans. And, uh, and I think towards the end, uh, my time in Nashville, uh, it, it really started to pick up and, uh, you see it now, um, you know, the electricity in the building, the buzz around the city. It's, uh, it's great to see. You mentioned the early years of the Preds. Your first season was in 2003. So you missed the first handful or so, but still were there in the formative years. What, what was it like as you saw that team go uh, eventually to being able to win some playoff series toward the end of your time in Nashville? Yeah, you know what? I had the uh, opportunity to play with a lot of great players. Uh, you know, a few Hall of Famers coming through the the organization. And, uh, you know, as a young kid, you you grow up uh, looking up to a lot of these veteran guys. And, uh, you know, just to be a part of uh, the atmosphere in the dressing room and uh, on a daily basis was uh, was a great experience. Um, you know, I learned a lot. Uh, one guy that really took me under his wing was uh, Jim McKenzie. Hmm. My first year, really, uh, you know, as a veteran guy, he um, he showed me the way. All right, let's go straight down memory lane here. This is a moment that I, I think of still to this day. 2011, Nick Spalling goes down the wall to you. You look, you see Jared Smithson cutting toward the slot. You hit him for the game winner in Game 5 of the 2011 playoff series against the Ducks, which ultimately proved to be to be Nashville's first ever playoff series win. What what were the emotions like in that moment and then going in and then wrapping up that playoff series in six games? Yeah, you know what? It was uh it was surreal. Obviously, you know, as as players we live and die for, for moments like that. And um, you know, I think when you when you have a couple fourth line players make um make plays like that like that you know you you really earn the respect from your your teammates and uh you know because i think in in playoffs the depth players are guys that really have to come through when you know our our top scorers aren't aren't producing um so you know it was uh uh you know a series that you know really put nashville on the map i guess you know mm-hmm. winning the first ever playoff uh series and uh winning it at home was uh was pretty special now for years it was preds and red wings that's all people cared about especially in your early seasons where you'd see people who were generally predators fans which would change over and put on red wings jerseys uh unfortunately when uh when the wings would come to town so what was it like in 2012 to beat them in five games in that first round series i know Looking back on it now, I think we kind of see it as a moment when the franchise didn't feel like a younger brother anymore, meaning the Preds. But even in that moment, what did it mean for you after playing them for 10 years and all these times they've been able to beat you in the playoffs to finally come out on top? Yeah, it was kind of a, a sigh of relief. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we, we knew that there was it was going to be a tougher task going deeper into playoffs and uh, having veteran guys that, have gone deep, uh, you know, really, really took the bull by the horns and uh, and led the way for a lot of the younger guys who didn't have a lot of experience. Um, but like I said, it really, um, 
it, it really puts the Preds on the, on the radar. And I think ever since then, um, the team has just evolved into, uh, into a contender. Former National Predators forward Jordan Tutu is our guest. You can follow him on Twitter at JTutu22. Now, I want to touch on this for the next couple of questions because I think you're uh, uniquely prepared to speak on it. So back in 2010, uh, your career and really really your life took a turning point when David Poyle called you into his office uh, after a practice and I don't want to say confronted you, but, but said that the organization cared about you so much that they, they needed to see some kind of change. So for our listeners who maybe don't know that story, what, what happened in that moment? How did that end up changing where you are today? Yeah, so a, a lot of uh, people don't understand that, you know, as professional athletes, we a lot of us fight a fight no one knows about, and, uh, and for me that was alcoholism. Um, you know, growing up, uh, being uh, in a household where there was a lot of uh, alcohol around, um, you know, there was it just kind of evolved as uh, as I grew into my early twenties, and uh, you know. The fact that I, I lost my brother to suicide, you know, really, um, you know, intensified my drinking. And, uh, you know, I thought I had control of it. Uh, and, you know, when David Poyle and, and Barry Trotz offered, uh, you know, the probably the, the best gift in my life uh, in, in going to treatment, uh, it was a turning point in my life. And uh, it just goes to show that, the organization cares about their players on a personal level, not just the the hockey player, but personally their well-being. And uh, you know, eight years later, I'm I'm still sober and and uh, and very grateful. That, that's awesome. And I honestly don't think I would bring up this question if we had conducted this interview a, a week prior, or maybe even a couple of weeks later. But the news of the week was that current National Players forward Austin Watson uh, has been placed into stage two of the NHL's rehab program. Uh, What's he going through right now, and how can others around him just surround him and support him? I mean, for those of us who, who don't understand just what he's going through, and since you so uniquely do, uh, what would your message to him and to those around him be? Well, I, I think the the biggest thing is is understanding that you know it's a it's a fight that is a daily battle that you know people who don't understand. Um, what being an addict is all about. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, a uh, absent of, uh, of self-worth. And, and I think, you know, me being through what he, he's been, he's been going through is, uh, you know, you got to really dig down and, and find what really matters to you. Um, you know, obviously having great support, I think the hockey world is uh, is a great outlet for for a support system, and and obviously you know David Poyle um, really understanding that you know it, it's um, it's the health of the well being, and uh, and ultimately you know when when people are around and and don't really know how to deal with it, I think the the best advice is you know just to say hey. We're thinking about you. If there's anything that we can do, um, you know, it's about being open and honest and uh, and being true to yourself. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and on that, you wrote a book in 2014 called All the Way, My Life on the Ice. How much did that help with your personal healing process and then knowing that perhaps you can help others uh, in the pages of that book? Yeah, when I sobered up, I, I had to re relearn how to communicate and uh, and and you know talk about my emotions and and in writing my book, you know, it was a three year process uh, throughout my sobriety. It, it really helped get a lot of weight lifted off my shoulders, and uh, you know, it taught me that you know when you when you're able to conversate about your feelings and, and what's going on, it really, um, you know, makes life a lot easier. Uh, you know, I grew up where, you know, everything happening behind closed doors and you, you kind of shut up and put up with it. And, uh, I think when you have clarity and you're content in your own skin, um, you know, the, the doors of opportunities are wide open. All right, now in the last couple of minutes, let's transition to, to where you are now. Because like I said, I know we have a lot of listeners who have just followed you for decades and are curious what you're up to. Uh, you mentioned the two kiddos that are coming with you for this trip. Uh, what's it like being a dad? How's that uh, developed after your career in the NHL? Well, I think, you know, first and foremost, uh, I wouldn't have this life if I wasn't sober. So, you know, I'm very grateful that my wife, Jennifer has uh, been by my side through thick and thin, and her support has been uh, the the utmost bonus for for me. And and uh, you know, being a father to to our two beautiful, healthy girls, Sienna and Avery, and, you know, it's just uh, something that I you know change a cycle to start a new cycle for for my family mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, I just want to, I'm just very grateful that I'm able to uh, to be home on a daily basis to watch them grow up. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just uh, the, the biggest smile on my face. Absolutely. I believe it. Now, you'll always be in the history book as the first Enoch player in the history of the NHL. And when you officially retired last year, you said that you wanted to give back to the Indigenous community of Canada. So, what does that look like? Do you know what that looks like, and how does that take you uh, in the years going forward? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of uh, our a lot of our remote communities don't have um, uh, indigenous role models, and and for me to connect with them and tell my story, I think they can really relate and, and help them see light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from, what color your skin is. You know, we're all put on this uh, earth for for a reason, and it's just about finding your purpose, your meaning, and uh, you know, for me to share my story and and hopefully help one or one or two kids or or teenagers, um, you know, puts a smile on my face, and you know, just to to let them know that it's okay um, to to fail. That's part of growing up and uh, and learning from your mistakes. He's Jordan Tutu. I have it on good authority. There's going to be a few thousand Tutu whistles back in Bridge Bridgestone Arena on Saturday night. So we're all excited uh, to see you back there. Thanks so much for doing this. My pleasure, guys. Looking forward to it and uh, all the best. When the man comes around. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. No, you're no, not. No, I'm not. I'm just kidding. I'm Brooks Bratton. That's Thomas Willis. Welcome back to the Preds Official Podcast right here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome to February, by the way. 
2019 is almost over. Filbuary, they call it. Filbuary. My person might be me. That's one of the more popular nicknames that's caught on over the last few years. We crunched the numbers thanks to the Predators PR department in 52 career February games. Philip Forsberg has 51 points, so he is that close to a point-per-game player. Hopefully, by the time you've heard this, he's had a hat-trick, and he's now ahead of that pace. I was going to say, this is before the game against Florida. So we'll see. So Yeah, if you've even listened to this to like Monday, I mean, Phil's probably got 60 points at this point in the month of February. Let's go. phil <laughs> As it shall be known. Speaking of music, not Johnny Cash. This is a kind of a funny moment. So we asked Jordan Tutu prior to his interview what song he wanted to listen to or wanted to come back from break with. And he said, you know, I, I, he kind of paused and was like, I'm just free and easy. Like, there's nothing I got. And Josh and I look at each other and just freeze. I don't know. Like, I just was devoid. You weren't here. We needed your musical talents. I, I just didn't have a suggestion. So there's a long, awkward pause. And then Josh just Googles free and easy. And that's the song we came back to and, for the and, Jordan Tutu interview. And wouldn't you know it, Predator superfan Dirks Bentley has a song called there you Free go. and Easy. There you go. Free and and in retrospect, dri- road, driving away from the studio... I was like, it could have been 22 by Taylor Swift, which would have offended some and excited others, but it just, it would have been appropriate based on his number and his birthday and that crazy affinity he's found with the number 22. It really is crazy, but there's anyone who's feeling 22. Anyways, that's kind of what we do for you right here on the Preds Official Podcast. We think of a better idea just moments after we stop recording. (laughs) (laughs) I wish we were kidding. Well, as we enter into the final segment, you you may remember that we were giving away puzzles yeah. last week. I, and we not that we made fun of it, but I was kind of like, we've got puzzles this week. I hope like so we know your wife, Elizabeth, loves puzzles. I was like, I hope there's more people other than Elizabeth who enjoy doing puzzles, which offended some people. And some people <laughs> rose up to defend the puzzle. Sorry, puzzles. Like, we weren't even trying to say that. We may have had more entries for puzzles. I think we did. Than we've ever had for anything else that we've ever given away. Long and short of it is, we're getting more puzzles. We will give more away because we had such we'll find more. heartwarming tweets oh, yeah. in our way about why people needed puzzles. Yeah. And we could only choose two. We only currently had two. I know. Sorry, puzzle lovers. But two of you that are getting them now, not in the future, you've got them right now. Congratulations to Natalie Lowe and Cassie Oliver. You have both won a 750-piece yes. puzzle, right? Yes. I mean, that's that takes a bit. It's a Pred celebration shot from last season, so after a win, I mean, just your favorite part of the gang. I, I think Pexis and Nat, I know Kyle Turris is featured somewhat prominently. He just sticks out to me. Sure. So, yeah, just watch a Preds game, celebrate a past win, and build a puzzle with your friends and family. You're welcome. All right, let's give <laughs> let's give one more thing away in the interim until we get more puzzles. Uh, we've got a plethora of scarves, really yep. cool Pred scarves that say Loyal Legion on them. They're pretty cool. They're they're knitted and that sort of thing. We know it's going to get cold again, at least in Tennessee or wherever you are. For our listeners in especially up north, Minnesota, my goodness, uh, you're like negative, like triple digits. It seems like lakes are freezing over. You need a Pred scarf, so let us know. Negative <laughs> half a billion degrees, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> All you have to do is tweet at us using hashtag Preds podcast and just tell us your favorite part of the show with an asterisk. Don't tell us player interviews this time because we know that you love it. We're going to continue to do that. But are there other elements that you like? Is it the Twitter questions? Is you like the analysis? Do you only like the player? Is there literally nothing else that you enjoy? (laughs) The reason we're just doing a little crowdsourcing. We'd love to make the show better. We're not going to stick to the same format every time. We want to make it better. So enter a contest could potentially win a scarf. 
and make your favorite podcast better. Wow, what a deal. I was going to say scarves, not puzzles yet. We'll have more puzzles later. This is for scarves. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to clarify that. Uh, one more other way you can hang out with your fellow Preds brethren is at a Preds official watch party presented by Fifth Third Bank. There's going to be three of them coming up in the month of February at a couple different places. The way to get into those shows, uh, excuse me, watch parties and be able to see them is just go to nationalpredators.com slash watch party. All right, let's get into the Twitter questions and the moments we have remaining. We saved some of them. We had so many responses talking trades and, and the rest of the season that we had a few. This one was a bit fun for you, a personal one. Caroline wanted to ask you about how you choose your song of the day. Yeah, so hopefully all of you follow both of us on Twitter, but if you follow me, you might notice I do a song of the day. So I might see my playlists are seasonal. Thomas knows all about this. Let me interject. Caroline, you're about to get a much more detailed answer than you ever anticipated. <laughs> <laughs> so my playlists are seasonal. So we're on the winter playlist right now, hence winter. Sure. And songs are placed onto those respective playlists by the time that I heard them. So even if a yes. song is written about the summertime, it's probably going to go on the summertime playlist too, but if I heard it in the wintertime, it's going on the wintertime playlist. So we're on the winter playlist now, and these are songs that have been accumulated over the last five, six, seven years. It's usually the last song that I hear in the car on the way, and I like to listen to music on the way to work. So for instance, um, today it was uh, Loudspeaker by uh, Muna, so that was what ended up being song of the day. Yeah, so the whole key is that it's not when the song what it's about or the mood it's yeah. when it was released the other caveat before we move on brooks chooses his own season so winter doesn't begin december the 21st oh it's 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 yeah meteorological winter it's- so from december well <laughs> december's well, let's get out of winter because winter's messed up because there's christmas there too so springtime i will start the spring playlist on march 1st and it will end on uh may 31st so like technically early and then late and yep. early again yep. what gives what <laughs> What gives, gives you, you the right? right. <laughs> Thank you, Michael Scott. Thank you. All right. At DSale77, what kind of games or split should we expect out of the two goaltenders going down the stretch? I think that's a good question, and I think the reason is because the Predators have become so protective of how much Pecorine plays, and rightfully so, because we've, we've seen that the last couple postseasons when he's been at his best, even in years prior, it's because he's played a little bit less in the regular season. So 30 and change? I think you may even see Packet play fewer than 20 games down the yeah. stretch. I mean, I, I would say a little bit closer to a split maybe than than some might think. Yeah, I, I, 2010 maybe, maybe yeah. even a little more than that. Plus, UC Soros has fantastic, magnificent gold pads that he's ready to debut, and <laughs> yeah, I want to exactly. see those as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely you do. And we'll see. Of course, the Predators have a slightly easier schedule than they've had in years past, and I mean less travel, fewer back-to-back, so they do have the opportunity to put them in different spots. Um, meaning playing Pekka a little bit more, but but we'll see how it goes. All right, finally, what's one guy to keep an eye on in the Preds prospect pool outside of Ellie Tolvanen? Dante Fabro for me. Okay, I, I think he's he's a guy that we we've heard David Poyle say it before that the Predators are hopeful that he may join the team even this season. He's at mm-hmm. uh, Boston University right now. He's their captain on defense. And once their season is over, the goal would be to get him here to Nashville. So he's a guy that I've really got my eye on, and I think a lot of Preds fans should too, is maybe someone else who can help out for the stretch run here into the postseason. And you're probably looking at it at a late March and April, something like that. His NCAA season would have to end, then he would sign an entry-level contract, and you could see him either come squeeze in a couple regular season games or just see how it goes. We saw him, I guess most recently this summer, at the Preds development camp when he played in that Future Stars game. So seems like he's the real deal. A a first-round pick from a few years ago, um, is trending in the right direction, would arguably be the Preds' top defensive prospect right now. As far as guys actually in Milwaukee right now, 
You've got Alex Carrier, who continues to impress. You've got Anthony Richard, who's kind of knocking on the door right there. Matt Donovan is a guy who just, every time I see a highlight from him, I'm like, who are you, Matt Donovan? Matt Donovan on defense, and he's played in the NHL before he went to the AHL All-Star game. He and Frederick Allard, another defenseman, have really done a solid yeah, job Allard, for the Admirals this season as mm-hmm. well. And then Emil Pettersson, who's a little bit bigger, continues to develop. His Is it his brother? Uh, no, uh, cousin, cousin, I believe, yeah. Of course, he's a phenom out there with the Vancouver Canucks. So if, if he Elias could get, Pettersson, yeah. Yeah, if he could get to that good, that'd be a whole other conversation. All right, send us home. Number 20, down and done, and we're moving on. For Thomas Willis, you can follow him at Tom A. Willis on Twitter. I am Brooks Bratton. You can follow me at Brooks Bratton on Twitter and Instagram. You can always tweet us your questions using hashtag Preds Podcast to get involved in future shows and get a way more details than you ever wanted to know on how I choose Song of the Day. And of course, follow at Preds NHL to see the best Predators content first. This has been the 20th episode of the Predators official podcast on ESPN 1025. The game for more, go to NashvillePredators.com slash podcast. Thanks so much to Jordan Tutu for joining us this week on the POP. Congrats to him on Jordan Tutu night. Happy birthday to him as well. We're live on all the major podcast delivery services, so please subscribe and rate. It really does make a difference. We certainly appreciate it. Thanks so much for tuning in. Welcome to Phil Brewery. We'll talk to you soon. This was a fun one. Thanks, guys.